We start today uh, a new series talking about community, talking about creating community, and we'll, we'll spend uh, the next seven weeks talking about this. And if you've been a Christian for a while, or even if you haven't been a Christian for a while, or you've thought about Christianity, there's certain things that the Christian life talks about, certain things that the Christian life offers that you've heard about that, that you want, uh, especially for those of us that are Christians. And even if you're not a Christian, as you investigate Christianity, there's certain things that you've heard about that you say, man, that, that might be nice to experience. If I could live my life with a sense of peace, even in the middle of uh, anxiety or in the middle of unknown circumstances, circumstances. And, and the Christian uh, faith says, hey, we, we've got that. We can offer that. Or maybe God's love. You say, man, I would, I would love to experience God's love. And again, whether you're a Christian or someone that's just heard about Christianity or, or, and are interested in it, for Christians, we go, man, I, I want to experience God's love. I want to know God's love, or I want to know comfort in the middle of suffering. I want to know comfort in the middle of when life's just kind of going out of whack. I, I want to experience God's comfort, or maybe encouragement. I want to experience encouragement. Man, life is hard, and it's, it's hard to keep going sometimes, and it's hard to, to keep wanting to do good even. And how, how can I experience God's encouragement, or how can I experience God's love, or his mercy, or his forgiveness or his presence or his kindness and there's a lot of different things that the Christian faith says that it offers and yet sometimes we go I don't I don't know if I have that I don't know if I experience that it can seem elusive to actually hang on to and so the question I want to ask is how can we get all that is offered in life with Jesus how can we get all that is offered in life with Jesus? There's so much that is offered. There's so much that you've heard about or that maybe you've longed for. But how can we get all that is offered in life with Jesus? Because so often we don't actually experience it. And, and often here's, here's what we try to do to get all that is offered in life with Jesus. Here's, here's what we try to do. We say, well, okay, I want to experience God's love or his kindness or his presence or his peace or his comfort, so I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to spend some time reading the Bible. And that's not bad. I encourage us all to read the Bible. Or, or I'm going to spend some time praying. Or I'm going to spend some time uh, maybe reading a book about one of those things. So I, I want to experience more of God's love, so I'm going to read a book about God's love. Or I want to experience more of God's comfort in the middle of suffering, so I'm going to read a book about God's comfort in the middle of suffering, or I want to experience God's encouragement to keep going, so I'm going to read something about perseverance and encouragement to keep going, or, or hope in the middle of uncertainty. And we try to kind of do these things, and we try to work on what we even often call our personal relationship with Jesus. We say, okay, I, I want to experience all that's offered in life with Jesus, so I'm going to work on my personal relationship with Jesus and yet, it is still elusive. We still don't fully experience what we hope to, what we long to. And the Bible says that there's a different way to experience all that's offered in life with Jesus. See, the Bible says that the Christian life, all the things that we just talked about, about experiencing God's love and forgiveness and presence and comfort and all those things that we go, man, that would be great to have. The Bible says that the Christian life is the community life. The Bible says that the Christian life, all those things, all the stuff that's offered in life with Jesus, that the Christian life is the community life. 
That's, that's what the Bible says. I mean, even, even all the different things I talked about, about encouragement and love and comfort and God's presence. I mean, if, if you just read through the Bible, all of those things, it says, come through community. Come through community. That the Christian life is the community life. And only here, only in community, only in relationships with other people, only meaningfully connected with other people, will you fully experience all that's offered in life with Jesus? Only there do you fully experience that. You know, the Bible says that this is so because it's built into our very DNA. In our very DNA, we are people people. We are community people. Hardwired into us. The Bible says that when God made man and woman, it says this, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, Genesis 1. So when God creates man and woman, when he creates Adam and Eve, when he creates them, in their very DNA, they're made in the image of God. It means they're like God. It means that they're a reflection of God. It means that something of what God is like is imprinted into us. But do you notice even what it says? Let us make man in our image. Because what the Bible teaches is that God is, and we sang this earlier in the doxology, that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That God has eternally existed in community. That before time even existed, God is community. That God is community. And then when he says, I'm going to make man, and I'm going to make woman, and I'm going to make them to be a reflection of me, he makes us in his image. And so from the very beginning, in our very DNA, if you could look and see inside of our both physical and spiritual DNA, you would see that we are community people. Which means this, then. It means we can never, this is maybe encouraging and maybe scary, we can never fully be human by ourselves. We can never fully experience the life God intended without community. We can never fully be Christian in the sense of experiencing all that life with Jesus is and is supposed to be by ourselves. We can't because it's not how we were made. It's not how we were designed. You don't even need to be a Christian or read the Bible to know that people are like this, though, right? I mean, if you think about one of the worst punishments that somebody can get, I don't know if you guys have ever visited anyone in prison. I've had family in prison and have visited people in prison that have gone to solitary confinement. It's one of the worst things that, I mean, you're already in prison. They're like, what else can we do to punish you more? Take away your food? No, can't do that. Punch you in the face? No, can't do that. What do we, oh, solitary confinement. And that's what they do. They put someone by themselves to think of something even worse than prison. Or if you think about, I don't know if you have watched movies like this, or this is even on um, different news stories and things I've read. You've got people that are stranded at sea in a life raft. It's crazy. Sometimes people, man, they're out there forever, right? And they're in these little lifeboats, and let's say it's two people. And this happens. You can read about it. Two people, and they're, they're doing okay. They're, they're actually, I mean, you're, I mean, imagine being out, out to sea for, I mean, I couldn't be out on Sloan's Lake for that long. I'd be like, I'm dying. Okay? Like, you can get out and walk, you know, but I'm, I couldn't. I'm out to sea, and you're okay. And then one of them dies. And then the other guy just goes crazy. Because hardwired into us 
We are community people. It's why Tom Hanks had to paint a face on a volleyball. I mean, we're community people. We are designed in our very DNA. So when we talk about, when we talk about how, how can we experience all that is offered in life with Jesus, so often what we think is, okay, well, if I want to experience more of that, I've got to read more of the Bible. I've got to pray more. I've got to read more. I've got to get alone with Jesus. And by myself, I'll, I'll be able to get deeper into God. The Bible says, actually, the way you most fully experience the Christian life is in community. And one of the other places that the Bible talks about this is Paul writing to the Corinthian church, and he says this. He says, for just as in, for just as the body, talking about the physical body, for just as the body is one, so there's just one body, and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, saying it doesn't matter your economic status or your racial status, and all were made to drink of one spirit, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? Where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And then a few verses later, he summarizes and says this, Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. Now, this verse has a lot of different implications. It has a lot of different meaning for what it means to work together and how we all bring different things to the table. But one of the things this is saying is this. If you want to get near the body of Christ, like can you imagine if Jesus was physically here and we said, I want to get near his body. I want to experience all of Jesus. I, I, want to, I, I don't want to just see his hand waving to me. I don't, I don't want to just feel an arm hugging me. I don't, I don't want to just look into his eyes. I don't, I don't, want, to just, I don't want to just hear his words. I, I want to actually get near the body of Jesus and see all of who he is. Well, what Paul is saying here is we don't have physically his body, but the way that we have the body of Jesus is in community. It's the church. That the way that we actually encounter the body of Christ is in community. And you know what this means? It means that each of us together, each of us together show and represent Jesus to one another. And, and if, we, if we're just by ourselves, we only have one part of the body. If we're just by ourselves and going, man, I want to experience fully life with Jesus and all that he is, but we are a hand, then all we're ever getting is just handness of Jesus. We're not actually encountering the whole body. So he says you need the whole body to work together to show you Jesus. And so many of us, I know, and I've felt this way, and I've talked to many of you and talked to others that go, man, wouldn't it be so good if Jesus was right here? And and what Paul says is the way that Jesus is right here is through his body, which is the church. It's not just, I want more of Jesus, so I'm going to go by myself and read the Bible. No, man, go by yourself, read the Bible, pray, read books, do all that. But 
If you want to fully experience the life that's offered in Jesus, we have to encounter him. And he is encountered most fully together in the church, not just with a hand, not just with an eye. That also means it's not even just one other person because you go, well, I got the hand of Jesus and I got the arm of Jesus. I'm good. But that's kind of creepy, right? Like if all you had was the arm of Jesus, I mean, you might be able to, I mean, that's just weird, right? You might be able to sell tickets. You're like, I've got the arm of Jesus. If you actually did, like the shroud of terrain or something, right? But Jesus says, no, I'm most fully experienced in the church where you can see my eyes and my ears and my hands, all of it. So, how can we get all that is offered in life with Jesus? How can we get all that's offered in life with Jesus? It happens in community. This is how we become fully alive. It's how we experience fully what God has for us. I don't know what this means exactly for you as you're going, okay, I want to experience more fully life with Jesus. I want to experience more fully the life that's to be found in him. But maybe it means for you, you need to get in a community group. If, you're, if you've kind of said, no, it's good, me and Jesus, and I can kind of do church, and I can kind of do this, and I can do this, or maybe it's an LTG, which are smaller groups that we have, or maybe it's even in the community groups that you're in saying, how do I actually push deeper into this? How do I not just try to live my life really just me and Jesus? I was talking, we had some friends this week who had a miscarriage, which I pray none of you ever do. If you've known that pain, you know it's a deep, hurtful pain. We had some friends this week who had a miscarriage and was talking about this idea and talking about the body of Christ, and she was saying that what she felt, what she wanted, what her temptation was, was just to pull back, to draw deeper into herself, and, and maybe even to open up the Bible and go, God, I need your comfort right now. God, I need your love right now. God, I need your peace right now. God, I need your presence right now. And yet she chose not to do that and chose to actually open herself and share and invite other people in and then has been blown away by the feeling of God's love and God's presence and God's service and God's care because we cannot experience the Christian life by ourselves. We're not designed to. And so many times we long for, why don't I know God's love and his comfort and his peace and his presence? But we try to do it by ourselves. I know even for myself that I can, I can feel like I don't really need other people very much. I can feel like that. And yet when I have experienced other people, you know, in times when I've been discouraged in my life, in times where I've felt down or depressed or anxious and have spent time opening the Bible and praying, I'm, man, that is beautiful. God meets you there. But I can tell you, that if I add up all the times where it's me alone by myself reading the Bible and praying and where I've really felt God near to me, there's some times. But I can tell you that when I have experienced other people encouraging me or serving me or loving me, that I go, man, there's Jesus. There's Jesus right there. There he is. He's showing up right now. I'm experiencing encouragement, and I'm experiencing love, and I'm experiencing his presence, not just me alone by myself. How do we get all that's offered in life with Jesus? What the Bible says is you can't get it by yourself. It happens in community. 
It happens through the body of Christ. It happens there. But what gets in the way of this? Because as you know, and as I know, this is not easy, right? I mean, I I can say, man, isn't this amazing in the body of Christ? And you go, yeah, well, if that was really the body of Christ, his arm wouldn't be slapping me. His foot wouldn't be kicking me. Because we go, man, I, I want community. That'd be great. But it's not easy. Anyone that has ever wanted and tried to experience community has found that it's difficult. I don't know anybody that's ever said, I want community, and just went, whew, that's easy. Never. Not real community. It's easy to have drinking buddies. That's easy. It's easy to have people you just kind of shoot the breeze with or ski with. Or, I mean, that's not real, though. And at the deepest level, all that is easy. You can go drink with people and ski and hike and whatever and go, man, that was a blast, and then do it again the next weekend, the next weekend. Whatever, that's cool. But to experience all that's found in life with Jesus, the kind of community the Bible talks about that we long for, that's difficult as anything beautiful is. I mean, I don't think these are necessarily super impressive, but I mean, this is kind of beautiful, and that took some time to make, right? (laughs) I don't think anyone in here made these, so I think I can say that, right? I mean, I think that you look at places like the Sistine Chapel, that's beautiful, that took some time, that's difficult. Nothing beautiful happens easy. Lord of the Rings, man, that took a long time to film. took a long time to film. It's beautiful. If you haven't seen it, today is the day to take communion and repent. You have permission to leave right now. He he hasn't seen it. He's going to go watch it right now. (laughs) Anything beautiful takes time to build. But look, here's the other thing. It's not just that it takes time to get. It's hard work to keep. Look, for those of you that are married, single people, tune me out for a minute because you're going to go, that is not true. But for those of you that are married, what was harder, getting married or being married and experiencing all the beauty of that? Man, it's way, I know you single people are like, no, it's harder to get married. Just wait. When you get married, it's way, I mean, it's so easy to get married. You just go online, pick somebody, the end, done, right? (laughs) I preached this morning at a church that has like zero single people, and so I got tons of amens. Right now, I'm getting a lot of glares. So um, I'm I'm not serious. I know it's actually really hard. But I'm saying, man, it's hard to get married. It's hard to build something beautiful like that. But man, to stay married, to stay married. To, to experience all that marriage offers, that takes a lot more work, right? Community. Community is a beautiful thing. But like anything beautiful, like anything amazing, like anything that is worth fighting for, it is hard work to get and to sustain, to keep. What, what gets in the way of this? Because here's the thing. Sometimes we have this idealized version of community. If you've been around the church for a while and if you've read the Bible, one of the most popular pictures of this is Acts 2. And it's got this great picture of community that we go, oh, I want that so bad. It says, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need and voting for Bernie, apparently. Something like that. Okay, Not necessarily. I'm just saying they're sharing everything, right? And day by day, That's not a political comment, just a joke. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. It's a great picture, right? 
Man, nobody has any needs. People are selling their stuff and meeting each other's needs. There's awe upon every soul. They're eating meals together. People are getting saved all the time. They have, they're praising God. I mean, we go, man, that's the kind of community I want. And if you've been in the church for a while, this, this is often we go, people even use the language of, I, I want a New Testament church. I'm talking about this. I want an Acts 2 church. Something like this. Why can't we have that? And maybe it's not this picture in your mind of an idealized community. Maybe it's something you had in college or maybe you went on a mission trip and had some great experience of community or something where you go, man, there's this idealized, wonderful version of community that would be so great to have. But you know what happens when you read the rest of the Bible? This is Acts 2. This is when the church first starts. But after that, almost every other book in the New Testament is written to deal with the drama in the church. Let me just give you some examples. One of them is this. This is in James. It says, For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, so a guy dressed to the nines and he's just got gold rings, okay? So maybe a football player. And a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in. And if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and you say, You sit here in a good place. While you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Can you imagine? I mean, that was happening. Can you imagine somebody coming in here and, and literally you saying to the guy in shabby clothes, hey, I got a seat for you right here by my feet. What would have been going on in that church that they were doing that? I mean, that, we would think that that was insane. Or how about this? Paul, he talks to the Galatian church and he says this. You got you to gotta imagine what was going on in this church that he talks to them like this. Oh, foolish Galatians. Man, what if I started my sermon by saying, oh, foolish true life. I mean, you, you would all leave. But obviously some stuff is going down that Paul's like, look, we got to talk. You are fools. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? I mean, just, I, I, we don't even need to get into the issue of what this was, but just look how extreme it is of the language he's using. You've been bewitched. You're fools. You are stupid. I'm like, that's an interesting sermon. Point one, you're a fool. Point two, you've been bewitched. I mean, like, wow, that's intense. What happened to Acts 2? What happened to sharing everything? How about this? This is in Corinthians as well. When you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper that you eat. Talking about communion. Look what happens when they take communion. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? I love that. Just, you know, just throws that in there. He's like writing it. He can't even believe it. Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. You know what's happening? People are coming to communion. It'd be like if the guy in front of you in line comes and is like, oh, there's wine. Drink. Oh, there's wine over there. Oh, drink. Oh, bread. And ate it. And then you're like next in line and go, oh. Guess I've got gluten-free crackers, and that's it, you know, and grape juice. People were getting drunk at communion, and they were eating all the food. And he's like, you have a house. Eat at home, dude. 
Next, this one. This is the doozy. It is actually reported. I love, it's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. For a man has his father's wife. He says, even people, he, he's saying, look, MTV would be ashamed to see what's going on here. Westward would not write about this. They would say, this is too freaky. He says, among pagans, it's too much. Because a guy is sleeping with his dad's wife, his mom. I mean, you think, I mean, if you think it's hard to have community, this is what was going on with them. This is what was happening in the church. So Acts 2 is beautiful, right? I mean, it's great, and everybody, and that happened for, I don't know, a day. And then, and then all of a sudden, all of this started happening. Because community is not easy. It's difficult. What gets in the way? Drunkenness, sleeping with your mom. I mean, all sorts of things get in the way. What gets in the way for us might not be the same of what got in the way for them. But stuff gets in the way, right? I mean, our busyness gets in the way. We go, man, community would be great, but we're busy. Our fear gets in the way. We go, man, community would be great, but I'm scared to really let people know me. I'm, I'm scared of the demands on my time. Our selfishness gets in the way. We've been taught, by the way, that what community is, is that we receive from others, and then we give. That's the version of community that we have been told our whole lives in America, that the way community works is this thing where you give to me, and then I give to you. You give to me, and then I give to you. You fill up my tank, then I can fill up your tank. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we receive from God, and then we give to others. So all sorts of things get in the way. Our selfishness, our busyness, our fear, our self-sufficiency. I don't need it, right? I mean, that's the one I'm most tempted to. Just, I don't need community. I'm good. Me and Jesus. Jesus is my homeboy. All that. So, what gets in the way for us? Maybe not the same of what gets in the way for them, but as we are trying to build community and sustain community, it is not easy. It is difficult. It's hard. And that's normal. That's really normal. I mean, they dealt with it just as much, if not more, then, than we do now. But what do we do? Because, man, we, we all want community. We all want friends. Man, ever since we're little kids, we want, we want friendships. We want community in our life. And then we grow, and we become adults, and it's difficult. You don't just go knock on your friend's door and say, can you be my friend and play? I mean, it's hard, right? It's hard. So is there, is there some better way to experience community? Is there some better way to have community? See, if we want to experience all that's offered in life with Jesus, that's found in community. But community is difficult. A lot of stuff gets in the way. But how do we, how do we get past the difficulty? Is, the, is there a better way to be able to experience community? How do we get community? How do we actually get it? If, if community is the place that life with Jesus fully is experienced, how do we get it? See, oftentimes, again, the way that we try to get community is by trying to go after the different elements of community. So if it's 
Man, you know what one of the things of community is? It's, if we were to make a list, right? If I were just to, to say, hey, let's, let's make a giant list of what makes up a good community. What, what do you want in Christian community? And maybe you even think about some of those now, and you'd go, okay, well, I, want, I want people to help me and serve me and encourage me and comfort me and, and hang out with me. And, and we could just make a big list, right, of 20, 30, 40 things. Of, I mean, the Bible's filled with all these different statements of what Christian community is and supposed to be and, and the picture that we try to move towards. And a lot of times when we go, how do I get that? We go, okay, well, I'm going to work on that thing. If one of the things is, is, is service, well, I'm going to try to serve people more. I'm going to try to work on that. Or if one of the things is uh, grace, you know, being gracious to people. Okay, well, I'm going to try to be a more gracious person. I'm going to try to be a more patient person. Or, man, one of the things that Christian community has is encouragement. You can actually be encouraged. Okay, I'm going to try to work on encouraging people more. And we try to work on these different elements of community. We try to work on these different pieces of community. But a lot of times what happens is we get tired. And we're chasing these different things, and we get burnt out, and maybe we have them for a little bit, and then they go away, and it just doesn't seem to sustain. And community is hard to get to, but even harder to sustain. And we can't just go after the different elements of community. We need a power that enables all those different elements. We need something underneath, like fuel in a car. You can't just have the car. You actually have to have the gas that moves it forward. And this is what the Bible teaches. See, if we go back to that verse in Acts 2, it, it says this. This is how it began. It said, so Peter, he preaches this sermon. Okay, he preaches the sermon, and he tells people to repent and to confess. He t- tells them about Jesus. He tells them that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was the Savior, that they participated in crucifying him, that he resurrected, and he's the king, and they can receive forgiveness and mercy and the gift of the Holy Spirit. He preaches them the gospel. And then 3,000 people join the community. And then what it says is this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And then it goes on to the rest of the verse that we read and describes this community. And if you read throughout the book of Acts, when it talks about the church getting started, and it talks about the church growing, it just uses kind of shorthand for that. And it says that the word of God, that the word of God spread, that the word of God increased. Now, when we hear that and when we hear the apostles teaching, we, if you're a Christian, kind of think about the Bible because that's what it is for us. When you think about the word of God, you think about the Bible. When you think about the apostles teaching, you think about the Bible, but that's not what they had. When Acts says that the word of God increased and the word of God multiplied and the word of God took root and then when it says that people were devoted to the apostles' teaching and that's where this stuff came from, it's talking about the gospel. It's talking about the good news of Jesus, of who he is and what he did. It's the very sermon that Peter preached to them. That's the teaching that they devoted themselves to. That's what it means when the Bible talks about the word, because this word wasn't there yet. It's talking about the good news of who Jesus is and what he did, that over and over and over again, they came back to that. And even all the different issues that we looked at, James talking about the, the rich person and the shabby person, and, and uh, Paul talking about, we didn't look at this one, but Paul talking about stinginess and people being greedy. 
or when the Bible talks about, when Paul talks about with other people, um, those that were selfish and were fighting and complaining and arguing, over and over and over again, the way that Paul addresses that, the way that the community is sustained, the way that those things are dealt with, is he brings them back to the gospel. He says, let me remind you what Jesus did for you. Let me remind you who, look, you're selfish. You're selfish and you're arguing and you're complaining and you're divided, but let me remind you about Jesus who humbled himself and became a servant for us, who humbled himself and left glory to come to earth to die for us. He humbled himself. Look what he did for you. Have this mind among yourselves. And when he talks about people being greedy and stingy, he says, look at everything Jesus has given to you. He gave you everything. He gave up all his riches. He became poor so that we might become rich. And he over and over and over again to address the issues in the community comes back to the gospel comes back to the good news. That's what that word means. He comes back to the good news of what Jesus did for us in living the life that we can't live and dying the death that we deserve to die in resurrecting and being the king and bringing us into his family. He reminds them over and over again. He doesn't just say, look, you're breaking the rules. You're supposed to be patient. We're a patient community. He doesn't just say, we're a serving community. You're supposed to serve. He, he over and over again gives them a power to do those different elements that represent community. He says, let me remind you what Jesus has done. See, the way that it works is what God has done to us, he does through us. And the experience of what God has done to us has to be real to our hearts. We have to ask the Holy Spirit to make that real to us. Not just so that we imitate it. That's not what Paul does. He doesn't say, hey, Jesus was a servant. You need to be a servant. He reminds them and leads them to see. Don't you see what Jesus has done for you? Don't you see who he is? How can you not forgive somebody else? Don't you see how Jesus has forgiven you? And when that's real to our hearts, when God makes that clear and vivid, we then give that out. See, there's not really any community problems in some way. There's just gospel problems. That there's some piece of the gospel that we need to believe that God wants us to know more deeply so that we can give out so that then we can receive, so then we can more fully experience all that life with Jesus is. I, I love the way a man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this. He was a pastor and a theologian and an author in Germany. He also was a part of an attempted assassination on Hitler, which is pretty bad in my book, and bad in a good way. Um, here's what he says about this. When God was merciful, when he revealed Jesus Christ to us as our brother, when he won our hearts, listen to the language he's saying, when he won our hearts by his love, this was the beginning of our instruction in divine love. When God was merciful to us, we learned to be merciful with our brethren. When we received forgiveness instead of judgment, we too were made ready to forgive our brethren. What God did to us, we then owed to others. The more, listen to this, the more we received, the more we were able to give. And the more meager our brotherly love, the less we were living by God's mercy and love. The more that we received, 
And we've all received the same. It's not that we've received anything different. He's talking about the experience of that. The more that we've received, God has been merciful. He's forgiven me. He's been gracious to me. He has served me. He's been generous to me. He has pursued me. He's, the more we're able to give and the more meager our experience of that, the more that we do not give. Thus God himself taught us to meet one another as God has met us in Christ. Wherefore, receive ye one another as Christ also has received us to the glory of God. See, how do we get community? How do we actually get it? If, if the way that we experience all that is offered in the Christian life is through community, and yet there's so much difficulty in trying to get community, how, how do we get and sustain and keep community. What the Bible says is that we let the gospel become more and more and more real to our hearts. That We ask the Holy Spirit to make clear and vivid what Jesus has done for us so that we say, man, he has served me. Why would I not then serve you? He has loved me and pursued me. Why would I not then love and pursue you? He has forgiven me. How could I hold something against you? He has gone after me when, when I never go after him. So how could I not go after you? This is what he says. This is how we get community. Do you know the gospel? Do you know what Jesus has done for you? Have you received it, as Bonhoeffer says? Have you received it abundantly and plentifully experientially. And when you think about community and you think about the difficulty in community, is this how you try to address it? When you think about, man, community is difficult for whatever reason. Maybe it's not drunkenness and mom sleeping. Maybe it's other things. But when you think about the difficulty of community, is the way that you think to address it, I need what Jesus has done to me to be more vivid and real. This is how the Bible instructs our hearts. Do you know the gospel? Ask the Holy Spirit, ask Jesus to make it more real to you. Ask him. I mean, ask him. Say, maybe it's not. Maybe you go, I'm, I'm, Bonhoeffer talks about meagerly receiving it. Okay, so Jesus, make it more real to me. I, I want that, I need that. Ask him in the particular areas that you find difficulty in community, then, then go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you to make that more real to me. If the way that I experience community is through you, through me seeing what you have done to me, then make it more real to me. I need that. Ask him. Ask him to do that for you. Ask him to make it alive. There's no other power to get community and keep it. There's, there's nothing else. There is nothing else that will give us the fullness of the Christian life like community. And there's nothing that gives us community that will keep it and sustain it like the gospel empowering it. We cannot have, cannot have the kind of community that we want. And we cannot be the kind of friends that we want to be to each other without the gospel. We can't. We'll try and try and try. But when we experience what Jesus has done to us, we can then give that to others.
And think if we had that. Think if, think if our church looked like the body of Christ. I mean, that is the most amazing power that we actually have as a people. Is that we can actually be the body of Christ. Can actually fully show. Look, you can read the Bible and you can pray and that can show you part of Jesus. But the church is what makes Jesus visible. It's what makes him seen. Not just to each other, although that's true, but to the outside world too, that wonder, who is this Jesus? Sometimes we even in our, in our relationships with people that don't know Jesus, we want them to go, man, I want you to see how good Jesus is and I want you to know how awesome he is. And so we try to let them see Jesus in us and that's great. Keep doing that. But what this says is that the body of Christ is seen in community. And if you want to see Christ, it's not just found in the Bible and in prayer. Do that. But it's most fully seen in each other. And this is, this is how awe came upon every soul. And the body of Christ can be seen here. Look, here's what I'll just close with. Jesus wants, Jesus wants more for you. Anything that you have envisioned or hoped or gone, man, I want this. The Christian life says it's possible. Jesus says, yes, I want that for you. I want you to know my love in a real physical way, not just an ethereal way. I want you to feel my hug. I want you to feel me practically serving you. I, I, I want you to experience what it was like when I was here on earth. And my strategy for that is giving you a church. It's giving you a community. Jesus wants you to experience that. He wants you to experience the fullness of the Christian life and it's found in community. And community is found as we more and more and more receive what Jesus has done for us. And when we take communion, we remember what Jesus did for us. We remember Jesus' blood was shed, his body was broken, so my sins would be forgiven, so I would be made right with God, so that God would delight in me, so that God would bring me into his family. And when we take communion, we don't just remember that he individually did this for me, but we take of the same bread and the same cup, remembering we are all sharing in the body of Christ. Even just think about the physical symbolism of somebody taking a piece of bread and part of it's in them, and then another taking a piece of bread and part of it's in them. And we are all part of the body of Christ. That's part of what communion shows us. It's part of what it represents. Because God has saved us and he's indwelt us by his spirit and made us his family. Let me pray, and we will respond to God in singing and in parting. Father, I thank you for your love and your grace. Thank you that you want so much for us. You don't want us to just know truth. You don't want us to just read in a book about your love. You don't want us to just sit by ourselves trying to muster up some experience of your presence. That's not all that you want for us. God, I thank you for that. I thank you that you've created this amazing strategy that none of us could think of, of indwelling each of us with your spirit to, to partially represent you to one another. I thank you that you've done that. And Lord, I pray that you would help us 
to be a community that represents your body. Pray that you would, even tonight, even tonight, even as we sing and even as we take communion, that for those that have a meager reception of the gospel, that you would make it more real, that you would make it more clear, that you would make it more vivid and tangible, that you would awaken our hearts and awaken our minds and stir in us what you've done for us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.